0: Hack, have you ever bought a new car? No, no, I got five kids. It's pretty standard with pastors. I bought one new car in my life, just one new car. And here's the crazy thing is, is like, I didn't take my old car and take parts off my old car and put it on my new car. I mean, that'd be absurd, Right. Absurd to like take old stuff and attach it to the new stuff, but that's exactly what the church does with the scripture. And today we get into Hebrews chapter 8. And uh, for those of you that are guests with us, we've been working our way through Hebrews the last seven weeks or so longer. Uh, and the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it is, but all he is doing is encouraging the Jewish believers, those that believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior, not to go back to the old ways, because the Pharisees were like saying, no, 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 Jesus wasn't the Messiah, he wasn't the Savior, you still need to go to the temple and make a sacrifice for your sins and have your sins atoned for and covered. And this writer's like, He's gone through it, and he says, look, Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Abraham. And he's, he's from this lineage of a new priesthood from Melchizedek in chapter 7 last week. And so literally now he is saying, summarizing in chapter 8 right here, everything that he's said in the first seven chapters. And it couldn't be a better day for you to be here. It says, verse 1, now the main point, the main point of what is being said is this. Everything he said in chapters 1 through 7, he says, We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. If there's any one thing that I just keep repeating because it's so important, is this high priesthood of Jesus. It's in heaven. It's in heaven. It's not here on earth anymore. Literally, it was here on earth at one time in the Old Covenant. And when I say Old Covenant, I'm talking about the Old Testament and the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because the New Covenant wasn't ushered in until Jesus died on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 12. But, but here's the situation. In the Old Covenant, the high priest, there was only one high priest at a time, he would literally make the sacrifice with the blood of bulls and goats, other animals, and he would take it into the Holy of Holies, which he was the only person that was able to go in there, and he would make the sacrifice first for himself because he was considered a sinner, the high priest and he had to cover his own sins. Then he went in again, and he covered the sins for all the Jewish people. When I say he covered, when he offered this sacrifice, there is what the word is used as atonement. Atonement means to cover. After the cross, the word atonement is never used again. The word atonement is an old covenant term. It literally, if you cover something, it's still there. It's still there. There's like a pile with a covering over it. But the beauty of it is that Jesus was on the cross and his blood was poured out. His blood being perfect blood. Perfect, because he never sinned. His blood was greater than that of the bulls and goats, it says in Hebrews. Because what Jesus' blood did was it forgave sin. It didn't cover sin, didn't atone sin, it forgave sin. Like, it completely removed sin. The sin issue in this room right here, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, was dealt with on the cross back in 30 AD. Yeah, that's good news. Like he, And so when he says, he sat down, when he was on the cross, he says, it's finished. My blood was poured out. Forgiveness happened. All the sin of the world, all the sin of the world was forgiven. All the sin of the world was forgiven. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody received forgiveness. We still have the free will to do that and to free choice to receive forgiveness. But he died for all sin from Adam to whenever the end is. And he sat down. It's important that he says he sat down because the high priest was constantly working on the Day of Atonement. He was literally sacrificing animals, and they never sat down. They just kept running around all day long, sacrificing, making offerings, and things like that. But he sat down, and and where did he sit? He sat down at the right hand of the throne. The right hand. If you go back to the Psalms, and you can literally see The right hand of God is the power. That's the dominant. Describes it many times in Psalm. David does. The right hand of God is the power. Where did Jesus sit? At the right hand of God. He sat down. It was finished. Nothing else had to happen. There wasn't another sacrifice that needed to be made. If you you receive forgiveness... It's a done deal. It's over. It's finished. He said it's finished. That means I don't have to go lay by my, or kneel by my bed every night and ask for forgiveness. And people go, well, you still need to make the relationship good with Jesus. You know, you screw up every day and you just need to make, no, my relationship with Jesus is good no matter what I do. No matter what I do. You go, well, then that just, You can go do whatever you want. Yeah, I say this every week almost. It's like, yeah, you can go do whatever you you want. But if you read this, if you read this, and you go, what was the sacrifice that was made? The perfect perfect blood of the Son of God. I, I treasure my son, Corey. And Corey doesn't behave perfectly here on earth. Neither do I. But if he did, if he was like perfect in his behavior, what value does that bring to me? Just the fact that he's my son. But for Jesus to come, to come and make an offering, to make an offering to God, his father of his own blood. What what does, what does that mean for God? It means everything. My son, sacrificing his blood for the world. If you figure, if you figure that thing out, and you go, oh yeah, we can go do whatever we want, they just don't match up. They don't match up. Your want to, your desires change. How you. How you do life, how you behave begins to change. The more you understand God, the more you know God, all of a sudden your want-tos and your desires change. And then I ask this question. It says in the Scripture that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. If I am in Christ, where am I now? I'm seated at the right hand of God. Yeah, physically I'm here. Physically I'm here, but like spiritually, I'm already there. I'm already there. Like, Walker's there, and he's not waiting for me. I mean, believers are there. I, I, I totally believe. Yeah, physically I'm here, but spiritually I'm there because that's what the Scripture says. It actually says it in Ephesians chapter 2. So Jesus, in his redemptive work, he sat down. But then you go back to this one passage in Acts chapter 7. It says this, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God. Oh man, the glory of God. Look, I'm looking at the glory of God right now. I'm literally looking at the glory of God because it resides in you. He says, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Oh, wait, Jesus is standing at the right hand of God? He said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But I thought Jesus sat down. Yeah, but he stands to encourage us. He, he You know, like, when someone does well, they stand up to encourage you. And that's literally what, when Stephen's saying, I gaze, and he's like, if there's anybody to be encouraged, it would probably be Stephen, the first martyr, the first martyr that died for the gospel, that Jesus was encouraging him in his faith. Verse 2, it says, it says A minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. You, uh, Hack, talked about, you know, the temples that are set up here on earth and everything else. But listen, there is a tabernacle that is in heaven that God built, he established. It was not pitched by man like it was here on earth. It was literally pitched by the Lord. The true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. You can go to Exodus chapter 25 through 31 and then uh, chapters 35 through 40, and you can see exactly how God describes this tabernacle, this temple that's built in heaven. It wasn't the same here. Like you're, you're literally talking about 150 feet long and 75 feet wide. He gave exact dimensions. You can go and read those passages and see what it looked like. It says, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Stop there. Every high priest, for for one, they were appointed. You didn't self-appoint yourself as a high priest, that God appointed them as high priests, and there was only one priest at a time. When that high priest died, then another was appointed. And then it says, the sacrifices and the gifts. There's a difference between gifts and sacrifices, the gifts that were made is literally they took a part of what they they received from god and returned it back to him as a gift this would be what you would consider a tithe and an offering in the old covenant it talked about 10% of their crops or their their cattle or or whatever it was but it was a gift to say god i'm thankful for you i have appreciate you i love you i give to you god versus the sacrifices the sacrifices they had to make was they took the perfect animal and they killed it and the blood was poured out and this was a sacrifice for their sins it was the covering the atonement of their sins so he said for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices therefore it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer He literally had to make an offering himself. Verse 4, it says, Now if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest, since there are those offering gifts prescribed by the law. He's literally saying, Jesus' priesthood, he became a priest, a high priest, but it is in heaven. It's established at the tabernacle in heaven. And here's the other thing is all the high priests, they came as descendants from Aaron. You can go back to Leviticus and look. And they were from the tribe of Levi. But we know, according to Jesus' genealogy, he came from the tribe of Judah. So he wasn't going to be associated with the earthly high priest here. He came from a whole different genealogy. Verse 5, it says... These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. So literally, Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's talking with God. God explains to him, here's what I want you to build. I want you to build this tabernacle, this temple, and obviously it's going to be an earthly tabernacle, but it's just a a shadow. It's just a shadow. A long time ago, uh, in when we moved into our house, I made these like silhouettes of my family. If you ever have been in my house, it scares the heck out of people because they're not expecting it. But these silhouettes are on the upstairs of our, our house, on the wall and uh you can definitely tell mine because it has a flat top on it and you can see Corey and chloe in these silhouettes you can kind of tell who each family member is as it's on the wall but it's not an exact picture of who we are so literally this earthly tabernacle that they traveled with they set up this this tabernacle They moved it as God moved them. They picked it up and moved it, reset it and everything else. It's just a shadow. It's just a type. It's just a motto. But there's a real thing that exists, and it's in heaven. It says in verse 6, But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. Oh, you got to get this right here the old covenant that he made with Moses. It was all based upon the law. Here's the law. Here's the Ten Commandments. I want you to do these Ten Commandments. I want you to obey me. And it was conditional. If you do this, I will bless you. I'll make your crops bigger, I'll make give you more cattle, I'll give you more family, I'll do all this, but if you disobey me, if you disobey me, you'll be cursed. So literally, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, this is what you see is this cycle and cycle and cycle of the Israelites and the Jews, he gave it to the Jews only, he didn't give it to the Gentiles, he gave it to the Jews. But they would try to obey these Ten Commandments. They would try to obey these 613 laws in Leviticus. They would try to obey this, and they would go off in their own desires and flesh, and they would be cursed. They got taken into captivity by the Egyptians and made slaves. They got taken into captivity by the Babylonians, and the temple was destroyed. You can go on and on. Even to today, the Jews get punished. Right? I mean, you have Hitler that just, like, destroyed the Jews. And, man, we deal with it even today. And it's this cycle of, okay, we've blown it, we're, we're being cursed, now we're going to repent, and we're going to come back to God, and everything would be good, and they would get this blessing, and it would last for a season, and then all of a sudden they would fail again, and punishment would come on them, and they just kept going through this cycle after cycle after cycle of... And the whole Old Covenant was there to show us you can't do this in your own strength. You can't. You see, those of you that are sitting in this room that believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for your sins, He was buried, He rose again, He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and then he sent a, a paraclete, a servant, a Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And he said, if you just let the Holy Spirit move you, teach you, breathe for you, do things for you, life will be good. You know, you'll, there'll still be suffering. There'll still be death. There'll still be grief. There'll still be all these things. But you're able, I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. It's not my strength. It's Him doing it. It's literally Him doing it. Him doing it. Him teaching today from this stage. Now here's the thing. The old covenant, it was dependent on those who received it. God made this conditional covenant with them. If you do this, I'll do this. And it was dependent upon what they did. Now all of a sudden... Jesus comes along and he's like, I've got a better covenant with you. This is a superior ministry than what they experienced in the old covenant. Like, you don't have to do it. I'll do it for you. The old covenant was dependent upon what they did. Now watch this. The new covenant is dependent upon what God does in me. It's not based upon what I'm doing. It's based upon what he's doing in me. If I would just get out of the way, if I would just stop, stop trying to do things, stop trying to control things, and go, okay, I, here's the hard part. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you. I, I'm not going to try to manipulate anything. I'm not going to, I'm going to trust you. You see, the old covenant, it only convicted people of their sin. This new covenant, it empowers us to overcome sin. Because the only way we do it is through Jesus Christ. We've already proven that we can't do it. The old covenant proved you can't do it. You can't overcome sin. Quit quit trying to quit sinning. (laughs) Quit. Just stop. And go, okay, Lord, I trust you to cause me to quit sinning. To totally remove it. I was with one of my college friends yesterday that was also an intern with Walker, and he was—he's a pastor in San Antonio, and he talked about his porn issue that he had. And he's like, he's like, twenty-one years ago, the I—he goes, I—I I did everything. I did psychotherapy. I did all these things. I went to counseling. I did all these things, and I couldn't overcome it. And then finally, the Lord just removed it from me. I'm like, that's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. And now he's like. He's doing a church plant in San Antonio and we're going to get together and we're going to talk ministry and talk Jesus and talk about how the Spirit does things in us. Moses was the mediator of the old covenant. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Who's greater? Jesus. 100%. Yes. Verse 7, it says, For if that first covenant had been faultless there would have been no occasion for a second one. Like, if it worked, if it worked, why do you have to have another one? It didn't work. And they knew it wasn't going to work. They just had to, like, show you that you needed God. You needed God to forgive you of your sin. You needed God to live your life for you. The old covenant couldn't make a person righteous. And the new covenant not only makes a person righteous, but it empowers us. To overcome sin on this daily basis. You are the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did. It says, it says in Genesis chapter 3, Abraham believed and therefore he was credited righteousness. You've been made righteous because you came after the cross. Abraham was before the cross in the old covenant. You're righteous, you're holy, you're redeemed. Hebrews even says those that are sanctified have been perfected. I'm looking at perfect believers out here you have to understand that you're holy you're righteous you're redeemed you're forgiven and when you do you begin to like walk it out in your daily life if you think oh i gotta quit sinning i gotta quit sinning you walk around as a defeated christian and nobody wants what you have trust me try it i mean you you have tried it i've tried it living this life out today is much different you you either have a church hack you either have a church that is trying to attain righteousness or a church that's living in their righteousness, and the and you can work your fingers to the bone trying to be the righteousness of God, when the truth of the matter is is you already are the righteousness of God. If you just like claim it, if you claim I'm righteous, I'm now we know you still sin that you still have imperfect behavior, we get that. But who you are in your soul and spirit, your true identity, is you have been made righteous. Verse 8, it says, but finding fault with his people, he says, he says finding fault with his people. You, you go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. and In, in chapters 31, he knew there was a better covenant coming. Man, if, don't read Jeremiah unless you really want to get depressed, but uh, he knew there was a better covenant coming. Jeremiah knew. And he says, finding fault in him, he's talking about the Jews. He says, see, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and with the house of Judah. There was a divided kingdom. There was the, after the death of Solomon, the last king of Israel, there was a divided kingdom. The house of Judah was the two tribes that were in the southern kingdom. It contained Judah, and that's where Jerusalem was. So when the Bible refers to judah it's literally referring to jerusalem and the jews it says not like the covenant that i made with their ancestors on that day i took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of egypt that was a conditional covenant he says i showed no concern for them says the lord because they did not continue in my covenant they blew it again for this is the covenant that i will make with the house of israel this is i'm quoting or hebrew's writer is quoting jeremiah For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. Let me free you up a little bit here. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. Let me read to you. It says, this is the law. This is the law, the old covenant. Imprint these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Bind them as a sign on your hands. And let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, so that as long as the heavens are above the earth, your days and those of your children may be in many in the land the Lord swore to give your fathers. For if you carefully observe every one of these commands I am giving you to follow, To love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways and remain faithful to him. The Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you will drive out nations greater and stronger than you are. This again was given to the Jews. Today, today you can literally go over to Jerusalem and Israel and there's a picture, let me, you have the picture, look look at this. this. This is an Israeli soldier and they have their time every day when they go to the Lord in prayer. And you'll see this box that's actually on their forehead. It's called a phylactery. A phylactery. And they have God's Word inside of this. They've literally taken Deuteronomy 11 and they literally put the Word of God on their, And then they have it also strapped on their arm, their left arm, which is closest to the heart. Closest to the heart. They still... Do this today, today. And all this writer in Hebrews is saying, there's something greater. There's something greater that can. Happen. you have a Holy Spirit and he's written the word of God on your heart, like literally. I can sit here and I can quote scripture and read the thing and it's all like, I don't have to like memorize it. He brings it to me. He brings it to me all the time. Obviously, I have read it, and I've studied it and everything else, but I don't have to sit here and memorize it. The more I read it and the more I fall in love with it, the more it's just like it's loaded in. It can happen. You know, That's what happened to Paul. He was on that road to Damascus, and it just got downloaded to him. It says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen, and each each his brother or sister or saying, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them for I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. I can get into this whole thing about the, the fulfillment of the prophecies. Was this prophecy for the Jews? Yes, it was for the Jews. Has it been fulfilled? Will it be fulfilled? I can get into that whole thing, but what I want you to understand is that you are a benefactor from this covenant because of what has occurred this much greater promise, this much greater covenant with the Jews, we benefit from it. We also, as Gentiles, get to participate in this covenant. It's a part of us because Jesus' blood was the perfect offering for the world. And then the last verse is this. By saying a new covenant, he has declared that the first is obsolete. I didn't say this. I didn't say this. I didn't say this. Hack, tell your church, I didn't say this. I'm reading it out of the Bible, the book of Hebrews. It says, by saying a new covenant, he has declared that the first is obsolete. He's not taking old parts and putting it on the new covenant. Which is what the church does. Go memorize the Ten Commandments and live by the Ten Commandments. No, 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 no. That was given to the Jews. It was in an Old Covenant. You have a Holy Spirit living inside of you. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about anything that's going to come in conflict with the Ten Commandments. Because the Holy Spirit wouldn't do that. He wouldn't contradict God's Word. But just listen to the Holy Spirit. You've got something more powerful in you than those ten things hanging on the wall. He says, He has declared that the first is obsolete and what is obsolete and growing old is about to pass away. Like, it's gone. The temple's even gone. They can't even go there to make sacrifices anymore. There's only one temple and that's in heaven and now, guess what? Because the glory of God lives inside of me, I'm a temple of God. I'm walking here on earth, an earthly temple. Remember this, the old covenant only atoned for sin. It just covered sin. The new covenant forgives sin. When he says it's about to disappear, the writer writer here knew that the temple was about to be destroyed, and it was just a few years later in 70 AD. It was absolutely destroyed by the Romans. Go back to your history book. The whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, died in 70 A.D. The Jews can't even make the sacrifices anymore. It's because there's one sacrifice that's been made. You, you sit here and read the, read the Bible, read the Word of God, and you go, how in the world do they not see this? All the prophecies that were spoken by the Old Testament have been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. How do you not see this? It's been perfectly written. It's it's a done deal. Jesus says, it's finished, it's over. This morning, this morning, I think it is the most appropriate time for us to do as Jesus commanded his disciples is to remember him and to remember what he has done for us. So we are going to participate in the Lord's Supper with our friends here today. You are absolutely welcome to join with us in the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to pray in a minute. I'm going to ask you to come and to grab a cup and to grab a cracker There's also a table over here. For those of you that are over there, there's there's plenty over there. Uh, Jeannie and Therese will help you over there. For those of you that are down here, there's a table right here. You can come and get that. But I'm going to pray, grab a cup and a cracker, and come back to your seat, and we'll take the Lord's Supper together. So Jesus, I thank you for the new covenant, the new life in Christ, that I'm holy, righteous, and redeemed that you have made me perfect and that you have made my friends here, my brothers and sisters in Christ, perfect and holy. May we celebrate you today as we remember your life here on earth. The giving, the sacrifice, the great sacrifice of all time that you forgave sin and now you have life and you've given us life here on earth. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome to come get the elements. The uh, Welcome, everybody. The
1: uh, I, We look at the very first Passover, they were, there was a lot of symbolism there. But for us, there's not only something physical, there's also something spiritual. Something happened to you. They were looking forward to something. Something spiritually has happened to you. I don't mean to separate the two elements of communion, but obviously you've got bread and you've got wine. The bread represents Jesus' body. <coughs> the blood represents or the wine represents his blood the bread for who you were and wine for what you've done they go together i don't separate them but this is something that again i think we aren't looking forward to this this is a fact this is a spiritual fact this has happened to you spiritual facts supersede your feelings you may not feel like a saint but there's 60 verses that say that you are you may not feel like you're forgiven, but you are. Once the cross comes along, the tenses of the verbs change. It's an amazing thing. You are a new creation. And praise God that he preserves you until the very end. And with that, let's take the bread. End Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you accomplished. It is hard to fathom all that was done, how many lives have been touched. You were the perfect sacrifice. And by one sacrifice, you've made perfect those who are here. Not behavior-wise, this never was about behavior. This has always been about faith. And pray that we come to further understand what it means to live by your life. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for taking up residence within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.